welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I am so excited to be joining you on another episode today. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. We met over at the Physicians Helping Physicians Summit in July. She came to my round table and said, Oh my God, I want to hang out with you. And right away during our conversation, still in the conference, scheduled this podcast recording with me. So I am so delighted to present you with Dr. Stella Evans. She is just a joy to have. Her soft-spoken nature is really a facade because she is a spicy dragon underneath all of it. But we'll get into that in the conversation. So hang out with us and then stick around afterwards for my kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, my fellow fantasy fiction reader. Oh, so good to have you on here, Dr. Stella Evans. Hey, thank you for having me on here. It is so great to talk with you again. I know we met through Physicians Helping Physicians, the amazing bomb, amazing woman, Dr. Michelle Mug Riley. I was doing a presentation. We talked at a roundtable afterwards. We realized that we are kindred spirits sister from another mister. And we've been having ongoing conversations. And I was like, hey, we got to stop talking and we got to record this for the podcast. So I know you and the fabulous work you're doing in the world. But tell everybody out there uh, a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're at in the grand scheme of things. And then we'll jump into your topic. Awesome. So I am a pediatrician and I work in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for a larger healthcare organization there. Unlike the T-Rex that gets to go after the little, I don't know what those things are. They're not velociraptors, but like the little tiny dinosaur and catch it for his food. I'm sort of tethered around one ankle and I'm patiently waiting for my food to be brought to me every two weeks. And I actually work with kids who have complex conditions and so that includes conditions that might not be visible on the surface. So everybody thinks about the kids with a visible brace or in a wheelchair or with other things that you can notice right away, whether that's that signature white cane that a lot of kids, when they're just learning to use, would prefer to use as a weapon rather than as a uh, tool for navigation or... Um, some sort of runner, they are not using them as walkers. I 100% guarantee you that, not at the speeds that these, they're like subsonic at three. Absolutely, they are. Absolutely. I mean, like you are. turn around and they're like in the oven and you're like, how did you, you were just in the living room. How did, how did you do that? So whether that's, that's a runner or whether they're in a helmet or whether they have something else that's visible or whether it's not visible. So kids with multiple specialists, kids who have had transplants, that is really the focus of what I do these days. Although I do still see kids who are either more neurotypical or who do not have complex issues. 
And remind me again, how did you get into complex pediatric care? Oh my gosh. You know, in residency, you spend the bulk of your time in a pediatric residency in the hospital. And it is really interesting in that because you're going into pediatrics, you are often handed patients that are more complex because you will require less supervision as an intern than a medical student will. And you will probably have a better eye for detail than a third-year medical student. And I started getting interested then. And as my own child, who was born right before I graduated from medical school, got older, uh, we realized that he had developmental delays. And he was eventually diagnosed with a variety of things in sequence. And he has some interesting, complex, and somewhat interlocking medical conditions. He, by the way, is one of those individuals who would not be someone that you would know upon looking at him, is someone with chronic medical conditions that might cause issues with his function. So, I became even more interested as I navigated this with my son because you can give all sorts of advice as a clinician and you think, well, this should be relatively simple, right? Uh, Go to the school, ask for an IEP. But when you start an IEP in October, it will often not be finished until May. And while this is the reality of the situation, in a 20-minute visit, oftentimes you don't have the opportunity to create the space to sit down and say that. And it can be very difficult even to hold the space to say, I'm concerned that your child is not gaining as much ground as she should with her language skills or I see that your child is a year old and not yet rolling over. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Those seemingly quick and easy, fun, well, child visits then can very quickly turn into, well, it's like delivering bad news. You know, when when we learn those steps as medical students, like how we need to just talk to people about it and Yeah, and you're catching kids when mom and dad are like, what are you even talking about? This is our baby, you know? And I think many times as a family med doctor, sometimes people see it a good portion of the time, it just totally catches them off guard as well when you're first starting that journey. I would suspect that more people see it and don't really want to see it than... Uh, don't see it at all. And the what are you talking about reaction is a reaction that I'm personally familiar with in that we often would joke about my son's delays and say, oh, ha ha, he's just behind in this or that uh, and minimize it and say, well, but that's still within the realm of normal. There 
in fact, is a great variety in what is normal. But once you get outside of those two standard deviations of what we consider to be normal, that's when we say, well, you know, this yes could still be normal. But your daughter or your son could be a child that needs a little extra support. And it's, it's hard to frame that in the setting of a 15 or a 20-minute visit. So I became very interested in complex care and how to do this well and still do it in a somewhat efficient manner and in how to do it compassionately and how to do it in a way that held space for the patients that ultimately I was there to serve and the parents that I was there to support. And of course, then, just like for everyone else on the planet, along came COVID. And it acted like this gigantic magnifying glass. So for women, whether or not they are physicians, it really magnified a lot of the disparities in work done in the home that hasn't been assigned a monetary value and how much of that is being done by the person in the home or the person that culture perceives should be doing it. And I'm going to put should into little air quotes here. How much of the schooling of the children who are now at home and have been at home since March is going to go onto the shoulders of the women? How much is the woman's job going to be discounted because let's face it, we as females generally are working for two to three months of the year for free, considering the salary gap. And for females who are parents of a child with special needs, and I apologize to all the guys out there that are doing a fantastic job as parents of a special needs child, but particularly for the moms who a lot of this burden rests on, moms have cobbled together this network of support. If I have five hours of PCA time per day, maybe I can get a cousin and someone's second cousin's best friend to cover some of that. The grandma will cover some of that and we can then have enough time to actually go grocery shopping and cook some dinner. That's now gone with COVID, right? Or maybe they don't have a PCA because the costs of getting the secondary medical assistance insurance are too high. And so they've just been trying to make do with a little help from a neighbor, taking a child with them to the grocery store, and now that's all gone. So... In this case, the magnifying glass is really shining this light on a giant crack in our system in terms of the support that these parents need societally. And then when you say, well, what about the children themselves developmentally? These are kids that get many of their services through school. And I don't think that it's a controversial statement to say that these kids haven't really had much of anything since March because the closure of schools, while necessary, didn't really come with a well-thought-out plan as far as special education services go. 
Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And like we were talking about before we got on the, the recording, it was complex already, but then it became complexity alphabet soup with COVID just all scrambled and everything. And so as you've been working through this, both professionally and personally, where, where do you see this going? How have you been navigating it? From a personal standpoint, to be quite frank, I have no idea what we're going to do. And I've given myself permission to have no idea what we're going to do and to leave that until the last minute. The adult bridging program that my son is in because he is now 18 and he is an adult under guardianship and he would have graduated from high school and gone on to this Oh no, he was wonderful, one of those seniors. He was. He was one of those seniors. Uh, and between that and the civil uprising in Minneapolis around George Floyd's murder, they said, everybody passes. But he is not at this point capable of going to college. So he does qualify for additional services. He gets more school until he's 21. So what that would look like in a non-pandemic year would be this wonderful bridging program where he would get hands-on instruction. He could apprentice with a carpenter. If he had the motivation, he could do a few classes through PSEO at the community college. They would do certified nursing assistant classes even through this particular bridge program. Because this is adult learning, we're not sure what they're going to do, whether it's going to be in-person, whether it's going to be distance learning. If they have a plan, we don't know what that is. I was told they'd be in touch, and I haven't heard anything at this point. So I'll be giving them a call sometime toward the end of the week to see what their plan is. And if they say, well, it's going to be hybrid with an in-person component, our son can't wear masks safely. And the transportation to and from the bridging program in general is the city bus. So I'd I really don't know. And these are some of those moving parts that, you know, they don't fit together nicely like a jigsaw puzzle. We will just do the best we can. And I think the thought that serves me really at this moment is not, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do, but we're going to make the best decision we can, even though the bag isn't full of particularly fantastic options, right? Mm -hmm. Just trying to sit back and say, all right, what's the next best step? Exactly. And then take some action because sitting around wallowing in indecision about it is only going to prolong the pain for me. Figuring out what the next step is and then taking that step whether or not that step is in exactly the right direction, at least gets me in motion. I mean, I can walk in a circle if I need to, but if I'm just standing still, that's not serving me at all. Yeah. Yeah. The stasis versus dynamic movement. 
makes a big difference. (laughs) Yeah. As far as professionally, some of these kids absolutely should not be in a school program, right? So children who have had a recent transplant and are immunocompromised probably should be at home. Kids who have cyanotic heart disease, whose baseline oxygen saturations are between 60 and 85%, generally should not be going to school, right? Uh, Children with severe neurologic issues, severe kidney disease, kids who are on renal dialysis because of COVID's tendency to cause clotting should not be going to school. A child who has a small ventricular septal defect, right, but is otherwise doing just fine, should go to school. A kid with mild intermittent asthma, in general, we would say that kid should probably go to school. But here's the bit where, again, we've got all those pieces that don't fit together really well. What if that kid lives with a grandfather? And grandfather's a type 1 diabetic who's overweight and in the beginning stages of kidney failure. At that point, you just do the best that you can. I tell my parents that I'll write letters for them that detail the diagnoses and say, based on the situation and the medical diagnoses of the child, this parent is requesting that this child be allowed to do distance learning for the year. Because I think it, we also have to have some compassion for those circumstances. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's not black or white. No matter as much as we want it to be, as much as we want it to be, right or wrong, black or white, that binary thinking, I think COVID has shook our shit up enough to know that it is many gradations of gray. And not Absolutely. fun 50 shades of gray books, but <laughs> just so many right. different, like, ugh, with all of that. I just am so incredibly inspired that the work that you do and knowing what just the little bits of what home life are for you and how you are, I'm not going to say fighting on many battlefields, but you are definitely holding the line in many different arenas. What encouragement can you just lay out to someone on the other side of this listening to it who's feeling that struggle as well? You know, you are not alone. There are a thousand, thousand of us, moms, dads, grandparents, foster moms, who are looking at our kids and our loved ones right now and really not having enough information to know which way to turn. And When you start in a place where you felt like you were just hanging on by your fingernails, and then here comes this pandemic, and everything intensifies by about a million, it can be very isolating in the way it makes you feel emotionally, and it can make people want to withdraw for fear of being judged. And so I want to tell you that you are not alone and that the decisions that you make for your family are the best decisions that can be made. 
because you're the only one that has all of the information about all of those moving pieces. Are they going to line up perfectly? Of course they're not. That's never been the way that life works. But you're lining them up in the best way that you can, just like you always have. And just think about this for a second. It took a freaking pandemic to derail you. It took a pandemic to derail you. You are so strong. You can do this. And if you need help, there is help out there for you. Please don't lock yourself away from other people. Don't hide how you're feeling. I guarantee if you stuff those feelings down and don't process through them now, they will come back and they will demand to be processed through. And it will happen at a time that is not of your choosing. So please, remember you're strong. And remember, it takes strength to show when you're hurting and to reach out for help. Thank you so much, Dr. Effens, for coming, for sharing your heart with us, for being my friend, even in my craziest moments, and for opening up and sharing on Dr. Me First. Thank you. is so right. You are not alone. No matter how horrible the situation feels, no matter how dark 3 a.m. is, the sun will rise and you have others around you. All you got to do is reach out for help. I love Dr. Evans for what she's doing, for what she stands for and what she's saying. There's so many other great people who are out there. Hell, I've had most of them here as guests on the podcast. And I know if you resonate with anybody that I have ever spoken with, you just get a hold of me and I will connect you. Direct emails, DMs, whatever I need to do to help you to realize this is not a one man hero's battle. We are doing this as a collective. So just ask for help. Just had to get that out there before my kick of encouragement. So today, maybe we're going to have two kicks of encouragement. (laughs) What I really wanted to talk about is the word burnout. So right now, there's a lot of people who are like, I hate calling it burnout. We need to find another adjective or noun to describe it. Well, I push back against that because that's exactly how I felt. I felt like burnout. I felt like there was no more oil in the engine. I felt like it had been so long since I had stopped at a gas station and filled up my tank to fuel my engine for so long that I had been redlining it and pushing that equipment, my body, my mind, my emotion, my spirit to the absolute end. That it's no wonder I started smoking and spinning in place. Just think about it. I'm not really a gearhead. I dated this guy one time in high school. He he was all about cars. So, of course, I took it in mind and started learning about it. And then realized, like, car stuff can be girl stuff, too. So that's a hashtag life goal for another podcast episode. But someday I will rebuild my own classic car and drive it around in my bikini, just so you know. But putting that aside, thinking about what engines are and why I think burnout is 
still the best word to describe my experience and the experience that others are having is it comes down to that engine is not bad. It's not defective. It's doing absolutely exactly what it's made for. It's just being pushed to the limits on such low fuel, on such low resources. No wonder the chassis starts to crake. No wonder that the spark plugs aren't working anymore. No wonder that you're blowing hoses everywhere. So yeah, burnout is what it feels like to me. And I will continue to use that word. Hence, my course, Burnt Out to Badass, which is the second word I want to talk about. (laughs) Badass. There are people out there who are like, Dr. Wiseman, you shouldn't say things like that. But you know what? That's exactly who I want to be. At the end of my life, I want my kids, I want my friends, I want you, my colleagues out there to leave like, you know what? Erin lived her life and she was a total badass. And that is my life's goal. It really is. I feel so connected to this new course. There's a new website. There's even a new podcast coming with it. Dr. Me First is going to keep going on, but this is going to be like a little kid spinoff, a little sister spinoff. But yeah, badass. Let's lean into that because it's powerful, it's empowering, and it's exactly when I am the person that I am my best, when my engine is just purring and we are flying down the road, that's exactly who I am. So if these two words don't resonate with you, I'm not going to apologize, but I would encourage you, find the words that resonate with you. That's your homework assignment. Blank to blank. Maybe it's overwhelm to tranquility, or maybe it's frustration to flow, but mine is burnt out to badass. And if these words do resonate with you, keep hanging out with me. I have so many great things out in the world. I'm just so excited to just keep pouring it out into you all. The podcast, the book, the course, one-on-one coaching, any and all of it is at your fingertips. So remember, Really, going back to the conversation with Dr. Evans, you are not alone, and I highly encourage you, embrace your words. Maybe they're different than what they were from five years ago. That's okay. Hey, you're talking to the girl who didn't even utter the F word about eight years ago because it was too taboo for her. And now I just throw it around like it's confetti. So there you go. So if you want to keep throwing F-bombs like confetti, if you want to hang out with me more, I encourage you, check out Burnt Out to Badass. It's a course that is made exactly from you. It's my journey plus five years of coaching experience that I've poured into it that helps anyone who goes through it to reach that inner badass state. Guys, I love you so much. It has just been amazing the last couple of weeks, the emails that I've been getting, the DMs. It's still a mission of mine for 2020 to talk to and connect with every single listener on Dr. Me First. So if I haven't heard from you yet, this is your call. Tell me your words that you're picking from this episode. Connect, say hi, send me an emoji. I don't care, but I do want to get to know you because guess what? We really are a community. We really are not alone. And together we can all be better. All right, my friends, like I always finish this up, remember, Your life, your calling, your pulse.